Oh, hi, y'all. It's Wednesday, and we have a great show for you. We'll be talking about Eric Garner and Planned Parenthood. And then the cast of Are You the One stops by, and then Kathy Griffin is chatting with Alex. Oh, yeah. Mm, it's going to be a great old time. Did I just... Is that... Is that the... Oh, my God, that dress never dress. dies. It's always with us. And it's blue. For the record. <laughs> Good morning, Twitter. I'm Zach Stafford, she's Alex Berg, and you are watching AM to DM. And I am sorry that we had to make you look at that dress yet again. It came back to life. <laughs> Ghosts don't die. I completely <laughs> forgot about that because the way that I survive every news cycle is that I just have to be like a blank slate at the end of the day. Like yeah. it all just, it goes out like of my a, head. So it's like wild, that was like years ago. As a person who is, battles colorblindness, that dress ruined my week. Cause people were texting, what do you think it is? I'm like, girl, let it go. Let understandable, it go. understandable. <laughs> well, speaking of things I'm letting go, but not letting go, I complained yesterday that Beyonce didn't make Time's most influential internet list. And now I'd like to share this tweet with all of you. If Beyonce wins an Emmy and an Oscar, along with her Grammy Award, does that mean she got a big ego? <laughs> I love this tweet. It's so good, and it's obviously referring to one, a Beyonce song, but two, the fact that she is so close, potentially in the next year, of being an EGOT. And for those who don't know, an EGOT is a very acclaimed kind of prize you get after, not you don't get a prize, but it's when you have an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, a Tony. Beyonce currently only has a, a Grammy, but with the Lion King movie, she's very likely to get an Oscar nomination, at least hopefully a win. And then she, yesterday, she got six Emmy nominations for her homecoming event, not Incredible. show, event. Incredible, and our big gripe with this was that uh, Beyonce consumes the internet yes. when anything like this happens. She doesn't even have to tweet, so, and that's like true power. Yeah. You don't even have to do anything, and it just breaks the internet. No. So she's like, I'm complete ruler of all things. All you have to do is put out such an incredible piece of art yes. that you get, you know, a handful of Emmy nominations. Yes. That's all, you yep. know? So I yeah. look forward to you being an EGOT very soon. Beyonce, we just gotta figure out your Tony yes. situation. Precisely, yes. but we have faith. So let's take it to the timeline. What other awards does Beyonce deserve to win? Tweet us using the hashtag AM to DM. A Tony. Yep. All right, switching gears this morning. Here's a tweet from the New York Times. On the fifth anniversary of Eric Garner's death, the Department of Justice announced it won't press federal charges against the officer who put Garner in a chokehold. And here's a tweet from New York Times reporter Ashley Southall. We know and understand that some will be disappointed by this decision, but it is the conclusion that is compelled by the evidence and the law. The United States Attorney in Brooklyn on the declination in the Eric Garner case. Ashley is here to discuss the story with us today. Good morning, Ashley. Good morning. So previously, a Staten Island grand jury declined to bring charges against the officers involved. And yesterday, U.S. State's Attorney Richard Donahue called Garner's death a tragedy, but then said the government could not prove that the officer willfully violated any laws. How is this possible in such a graphic case? Well, the federal government, the prosecutors have to consider things beyond the video. They have to consider what the witnesses said and what they have to slow that video down and look at it second by second. They also have to consider what the officer said and whether all that evidence amounts to a case that they can, to one, a crime, a federal civil rights violation, and two, a case that they can win. And in the end, the decision that William Barr made, the Attorney General for the United States, was that this was not a case that they could go forward with. Now, you mentioned uh, William Barr. Of course, this case has spanned over five years and across uh, many Attorney Generals, um, from Eric Holder to William Barr. Um, is there anything to suggest that this decision would have been different uh, if it would have been done earlier? 
That's a difficult question to answer. I think it was one that was um, very divisive among prosecutors because um, there were some civil rights prosecutors who thought they had a strong case and there were others, um, including some of those prosecutors who felt the case had some very serious vulnerabilities. What Barr had that other uh, attorneys general did not have before him was the conclusion of the NYPD disciplinary process, which meant that there were no more opportunities to develop evidence in that case. Mm. And in this case, there's a subject, uh, Ramsey Orta, who currently sits in prison and was arrested for filming Eric Garner dying. How is he still in prison and what were the charges against him? So I'm not that familiar with the Ramsey Orta case. I know that he is in prison, obviously. Um, but he, he also testified at the disciplinary proceedings. But his case, I view as something separate from the Eric Garner case. Gotcha. Now, uh, the officer central to this case, uh, Pantaleo, uh, is still on the force, and other officers involved who remain nameless uh, are likely still at their jobs. Um, what could possibly happen to them, if anything, now that federal prosecutors have closed their investigation? Well, Officer Pantaleo is still on the force, and one of the things that Commissioner James O'Neill is weighing, the police commissioner, is whether he should remain a police officer or if he should be dismissed. Uh, there's another officer, the first sergeant who arrived on the scene Kizzy Adonis, she also has a disciplinary trial that's coming up. Um, it has not yet been scheduled, but she is facing disciplinary charges. For the rest of those officers, it's unclear what they, what discipline they will face, if any. Mm, 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 mm. Half of their names we don't know. Gotcha. And will their names ever be released? That's something that I continue to find very surprising, that we don't know many people's names involved in such a public case. Well, that's because New York is one of the states with the most restrictive policies when it comes to releasing police disciplinary records. In New York, they are basically secret from the public unless a judge orders them to be released as part of a court proceeding. And so in this case in particular, the de Blasio administration has gone to bat to uh, prevent the Garner family from learning those officers' names and if they have any history of misconduct. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, here's a tweet I'd like to share with you from Reese Waters quoting Eric Garner's mother. You think it's swept under the rug? No, it's not going to be swept under the rug because I'm out here. You all know my face. You're going to see it even more now. So what can the family do next to get justice? They can continue pressing for the city to release those officers' names. In about two or three years, they're going to have another mayor administration. Remember that even uh, if the presidency changes hands or the Department of Justice changes hands, that there are no, uh, there's no statute of limitations on some of the civil rights violations that could have been filed in this case and that another prosecutor, another attorney general might find appropriate. So they're going to continue to press for that. As well, they are going to push for the repeal of the law that keeps these disciplinary records of officers secret in New York State. Mm. So they have, a, they have plenty to do. Now, police brutality is obviously a, a big issue in the U.S. Um, how could uh, the outcome of the Garner case impact uh, other cases? Excuse me, say that again, please. Police brutality is, uh, you know, obviously a big issue uh, in the U.S. How could the outcome of what happened with Garner impact other cases potentially? 
The, well, so there, there's a lot that has happened since Garner. One of the biggest changes in policing since Eric Garner and cases like his has been the adoption of police body cameras across the country. So the outcome of the case is kind of a bit of finality to changes that have already taken place. Um, even in the NYPD, every patrol officer on the street now wears a body camera. And that's in part because after this incident, the police also recognized that 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 they needed a third eye on the street, both to be looking at what civilians are doing, but also what their officers are doing. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Of course. BuzzFeed News reporter Emma O'Connor tweeted, News, Leanna Wynn is out as Planned Parenthood president, reportedly pushed out by the board due to, quote, the group felt it needed a more aggressive political leader to fight the efforts to roll back access to abortions, end quote. This is what we've reported repeatedly. Emma continued, two sources told us that Wen also refused to, quote, be, use trans-inclusive language, for example, saying people instead of women, telling staff that she believed talking about transgender issues would isolate people in the Midwest. And Emma joins us now to discuss the saga at Planned Parenthood. Good morning. Hi, how's it going? Oh, it is going. And I just want to jump right into this story. Um, as many pointed <laughs> out, Wen just took this role eight months ago. So what happened? A lot, a lot happened. Um, As I mentioned in my tweet, we were reporting this from the beginning. I had one of the first major profiles of her in her new role. And I quickly noticed in her language um, and what she was saying to me that she was shifting away from her predecessor, Cecile Richards, who was a very politically oriented leader of Planned Parenthood. She really was all about uh, fighting the fight on the ground in the states, in the courts, as well as federally. Um, And Lena Wen was immediately much more focused on the healthcare aspect. She was introducing a lot of non-abortion healthcare plans. Uh, So I wrote that from the beginning, which seemed something also that a lot of um, like Planned Parenthood members and supporters were expressing concern about. Uh, in the Trump administration era with um, two justices on the courts, they thought that they should have a political leader. Um, At first, Planned Parenthood vehemently denied that this was the case, saying that they were going to continue focusing on the politics of it. Um, But apparently it came to a head and she got ousted. Um, And she even said in her own statement that she believed that abortion is healthcare and that should be the focus and not politics. Um, but there were also a lot of managerial issues. Every single uh, one of the the six sources who are either current former staffers of Planned Parenthood or familiar with the ma- matter said that she just from day one had like severe managerial issues, um, which we can go into further. There, uh, including the trans inclusive language issue that you read on Twitter on my Twitter. Um, she also we previously reported that she distributed an 182 page handbook with rules on how to staff her, um, which included nothing can fall through the cracks, uh, making sure to look frequently up from Twitter and make eye contact with Dr. Wen to see if she is trying to communicate urgent information with her eyes. Um, So (laughs) it seems like there was just a lot, a really bad environment um, during her eight months there. And the board did try to fix it, we were hearing. Uh, They gave her a warning six months ago. They gave her an executive coach to help to improve her behavior. But none of it worked. And um, about a week ago, she was told that she could resign, but she chose not to. And uh, therefore, yesterday, she was ousted. Wow, that sounds like a a, a kind of a hostile work environment for folks, potentially. Uh, But speaking of hostile work environments, you know, at large, the country is currently seeing states introduce anti-abortion legislation constantly, it feels. 
What is the significance of her departure at this moment? Yeah, I think that um, even more so than when I first reported it, the battle over abortion rights in the courts um, and the legal battle and the political battle has grown even more intense. Uh, And I don't think that was the main reason for her leaving, but I'm told by sources that it was definitely a catalyst and the board recognized that they need a different leader at this time who's more politically oriented. Now, when issued her own response yesterday, what did she have to say about all of this? Um, Well, first she said that she learned from secret meetings um, that she was pushed out. uh, I'm told that she was told a week ago. Um, And yeah, so she said, um, I can read part of it. She said, uh, we can expand, or I believe that the best way to protect abortion care is to be clear that it is not a political issue, but a healthcare one, that we can expand support for reproductive rights by finding common ground with the large majority of Americans who understand reproductive healthcare as the fundamental healthcare that it is. Um, I think this really gets to the tension of her not wanting to isolate uh, certain people that the rest of Planned Parenthood thinks um, for example, the trans issue, they thought that using women all the time instead of people to include trans people would be isolating the trans patients that they regularly treat as well as their supporters. Wow, wow. So looking forward, Emma, who is taking over the role temporarily and who can we expect to be in the position for, I guess, in a permanent way after this uh, transition period happens? Yeah, um, so it's a board member named Alexis McGill-Johnson. She's also the co-founder of the anti-bias research group Perception Institute. Uh, She is very familiar with the company. She's been on the board for a while. She's really trusted by staff, according to my sources. Um, And she will actually be the head of Planned Parenthood through 2020, most likely, definitely for a year at least. Um, And then the search will begin after that, I'm told. Well, Emma, Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, then we have to leave it there, but we'll definitely tweet out all of your reporting on this. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. And I have to say, uh, really fascinating story. Cecile Richards, such a political firebrand. Yes. I even interviewed uh, Lean Wen myself and mm. noticed that that distinction uh, yes. in some of the messages. It was incredibly apparent right when she began that this was going to be a different ride, and that ride has now come to an end for Lean Yeah. So we wanted to touch on one more story that took over the timeline this morning, and here's a tweet from Kyle Griffin. The House has voted to condemn Trump's racist tweets by a vote of 240 to 187. Four Republicans heard, heard Upton, Fitzpatrick, and Brooks, and Justin Amash voted with Democrats in support of the re- resolution. ABC News tweeted, Texas Representative Al Green introduced articles of impeachment against President Trump on Tuesday evening, a move that could force the House to take up the controversial subject later this week over the opposition of Democratic leaders. So, you know, the water's been boiling in D.C. over this topic for a while, but now it seems to be even hotter and hotter. So, you know, this is a developing story, and we will be covering it at great lengths over the next few days. So soon, tune in tomorrow, and we'll have more updates. Yeah, we'll have some clarity for you. We'll get some context. Yeah, we always need context with these things, because it's always fast-moving. Well, beyond that, we have a great show for you today. We're talking to the new Hustler trailer, Alex Schatz with Kathy Griffin. (laughs) And up next, it's Fire Tweets, which is going to be hot, hot, hot. So stay tuned for that. Welcome back, and it's now time for fire tweets. Ooh. So hot, my so hot. hand is flame. literally on. Hold there we go, the on fire. Flame. On fire. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's time to jump into what you all are talking about on that Twitter to make us laugh. Let's do it. Let's do it. Medium Willie, you tweeted: If you take a Nyquil and a Dayquil at the same time, your immune system takes a screenshot. 
Yeah, because your immune system is mad. In what world would you think that's a good idea? Terrible idea. Terrible idea. Uh, I don't know. Do they like cancel each other out? It's just... like the whole vodka and Red Bull thing. People think it's like a superpower. It's not. It just makes you. It's probably less fun. Hungover. Hungover. All right, Joey, you tweeted. When I get married, my wife will be in the kitchen where she stays, and I will also be there because it's our bedroom. We live in a very small studio apartment because we are what? Poor. <laughs> <laughs> I like that this tweet at the beginning, I was gonna like go into a rage. You about, felt your blood like, pressure generals. rising. Yeah, and then like, it took a real left turn, and I was like, that's just New York City living. Alex actually. Like, Massaging, misogyny, oh, gentrification, gentrification. <laughs> <laughs> yes, actually, that is like. Okay, you gotta pass. Yeah, you gotta pass. (laughs) All right. Gym leader, you tweeted. Yesterday at Target, the cashier said, your receipt is in the bag. And I responded with, you too. So I've been dealing with that for the past 18 hours, (laughs) but I'm slowly coming to terms with it. Which is cool. <laughs> I just love this because I do that constantly where you're like getting on a plane and you're like, then I have a great flight. You're like, you too. And the flight, the woman working the kiosk is like, what the hell are you talking about? I'm stuck here. Like, I actually am not. You're like, going shit, why did I say that to them? I'm so rude. Yeah. And you spiral and spiral yeah. and spiral. Well, speaking of spiraling, as someone who is deeply anxious, I will obsess over one thing that I said to someone, you know, 18 hours ago and still be thinking. So this one, you know, resonates with Hit me a lot. Hit right here. It really did. Right in the heart. It really did. All right. Naomi, you tweet it. When I spot someone on Venmo charging their boyfriend of 10 years $17 for, quote, dinner, that's when my interest is peaked. Mine too, girl. Dinner, you Y'all not got a joint account yet? (laughs) 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 I haven't locked that one down. But no, in all seriousness, Venmo scares me. I don't think we should socialize how we spend our money. And whenever I forget to put private in my exchanges, I have a a little anxiety attack about that. Yeah, because people like me. We'll like to read it. Alex and, uh, loves seeing how you speak. Get the your money. gossip. Get the gossip. Yeah, from you. capitalism what are you is doing? capitalism. We're going with who you're Venmoing back for those drinks or that dinner. <laughs> That's how you can catch some cheaters too. I'm about to be watching well, out. You know. All right, tweet of the day. Ready. Comes from Kramsky. I love how being an adult is just saying, but after this week, things will slow down a bit again. To yourself until you die. Yep. <laughs> Kicking it down the line. A sad truth. People just don't want to own the fact that they don't want to see someone. <laughs> like, no, I would love to have lunch with you, but just, just do it in six months. I feel like you're working through something. I am. I did it to someone right you're before like this. Working through I said, something oh my God, that. this lunch we just rescheduled from last week needs to be pushed to next week because I'm busy. And I forgot that I'm busy at that time every week. So, Being, yeah. sorry, existential crisis in motion. Bloop. Being an adult <laughs> is just rescheduling lunches until you die. Mm, at least we're eating. Well, coming up, I will be sitting down with some of the cast of MTV's Are You The One? But up next, we are talking about the new Hustlers trailer. Yes, can't wait. Watch it during the commercial break. This is from A to Z, and we always praise women who do the absolute most. So today, we are talking about my future favorite movie. Culture Crave tweeted, Jennifer Lopez, Constance Wu, Lily Reinhardt, and Cardi B are strippers robbing Wall Street dudes in the first trailer for <laughs> Hustlers. Mm. And Allie tweeted, these bitches can take my fucking money if they want it, please. <laughs> they can, Siobhan tweeted, when you love the trailer but realize you have to wait until September to watch, which is exactly how oh. I feel. But fun fact, September is still summer, everyone. We have proven this, it is final, so it's not that far away. All right. But it also means it's the end of summer. Well. We'll, we'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> so tell me about this film. It looks incredible, exciting, and I found out it's not fiction. Yeah, it is uh, based on well, a story. It's based on something. It, it's based on a story in New York Magazine that was called The Hustlers at Scores. So uh, here we are, based on real women doing this Robin Hood-like gesture, getting money from the rich men, and 
giving it to themselves. What did you, you translate it with what J-Lo says in the film. She says something about like, we're doing this because of the recession. And I always hear you saying, we're eating the rich. I, I, I really, I, I, want, I want someone to write uh, like a college essay about how this movie is really about class warfare. Because <laughs> in, in the trailer, um, she does say that, uh, you know, the Wall Street didn't have to pay for everybody else losing their money and uh, the financial crisis. And they're doing fine. So uh, they're going to take all the money and do justice. I love it. Robin justice. Hood. Yes. Through a feminist manifesto called Hustlers. Yes. Which I live for. But who I'm most excited to like really praise today is Jennifer Lopez. You know, I always say that like her acting career has its rides. And this looks exquisite. Like she looks like she is ready. She is prepared. This is what she's been working for. And we had Julia Stiles on the show not that long ago, who's also in this film. And she also was just super hyping Jennifer Lopez and her acting chops. So... Go off, girl. Go off. We're here for you. I would love, could you imagine, wait, could you imagine <laughs> Beyonce and Jennifer Lopez head to head for an Oscar? I just, I mean, I, I can't. The gays it, that, would that riot. Is, that is almost be too, too much. much. But there, there are so many uh, incredible women who are in this movie. There's uh, Lizzo, mm -hmm. Cardi B, we mentioned Constance Wu, Kiki Palmer yes. is in this. Uh, you know, I, I really don't want to forget anyone. I feel like I need to look at this Lily Reinhardt. Um, so just super excited to see them all, see them all do their thing. And I'm interested in, you know, Cardi B's character in this film is obviously not based on her, but she has her own experiences working in strip clubs and is very much a person that likes to talk about that as an empowering moment yeah. for her, a place where she kind of got her rapping chops together. So I'm excited to see her continue to make this more normalized, to talk yeah. about these economies, these places of work, because we need to change the ways in which we gaze at them, I think. Well, uh, you know, that's one of the big things that I, makes me so excited about this is that so often in pop culture, strippers are usually the punchline mm -hmm. of something, or they're really um, derided or, uh, you know, even denigrated yeah. uh, when people talk about them. And so this one, it kind of like flips that on mm -hmm. its head, and they're actually kind of the heroes of this yes. story. And so anything I think that uh, destigmatizes the conversations we're having about sex workers and also just shows this very savvy group of women restoring balance in yes. the universe, Which that is love. something that I want to love. I, you can take all my money. I'm coming there. I will be there <laughs> opening night. Cardi B, I'll wear a t-shirt. I'll yes. wear a Fashion Nova. A fa so, yeah. I mean, in honor. Yeah, a little. As, as, one, <laughs> as one must. Yeah. It will be great. Yeah, All absolutely. Right. <laughs> well, let's take to the timeline. Who are you most excited to see in Hustlers? Tweet us using the hashtag AM to Cardi B. And as you said, I think I am most excited to see Cardi B in this. Get those acting chops, you yes, know? Yes, she's going to be fantastic. Yeah. Well, speaking of women who stick it to the man, up next, Alex is talking with Kathy Griffin about her new documentary. Here's a tweet from Kathy Griffin about her new film, A Hell of a Story. Now that I'm about to become a globally recognized movie star, I want to stop being so goddamn down to earth. I'll walk around all day in Fendi ski goggles with a Louis Vuitton bag. Get used to it, fuckers. Well, we are so honored to have comedian, legend, and now movie star Kathy Griffin back on AM to DM. Humble as always. Humble as Humble always. Humble as always. And yet, no, no got ski goggles or the the bag. I actually do have those ski goggles, and I got them from like an old school uh, gift bag, like back in the huh. day when huh. I won my two Emmys. Have I mentioned that? <laughs> they would give like real things and I found that I'm like first of all I don't really ski but I thought it would look uh, impressive and uh, the Louis Vuitton bag I might return because it's oh, okay. a little yeah. like it's okay. a little loud 
All right. Well, next time but, you'll have to, you know, wear your movie star accoutrement. I do have here. Valentino shoes on, the, which are and very, very expensive. Although I think I could have gotten them at Payless. And I can but, say they, they do say Valentino on the bottom. So thank I can you for it. confirming. <laughs> and I'm sorry if I shot the beef. Oh, that, that I am wearing underwear it's all today. What a surprise! It's the internet, so everything, anything is okay. Thank goodness. <laughs> well, uh, listen, I want to talk about uh, this film, which is part comedy special, part documentary. Yes. But um, I was really struck by some of the scenes in which you are. Literally, did you watch it? I did watch it. Thank you. I watched the whole thing. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah, that's, that's like a big deal. I do a lot of interviews with like so. Tell me about the movie. What happened? <laughs> no, I actually watched it. But there, so the first third is like raw. Well, that, that's what I was going to ask okay. you about. Where you are, you are literally like crying on camera. Um, you are totally burned out. You are processing oh, yeah. all of your emotions. Why did you want to show those really raw scenes? Because a big part of the message of this movie is I took a rather infamous photo over two years ago of myself <laughs> holding a Trump mask with ketchup on it that then went to TMZ and then the uh, White House, uh, the Trump family, the Department of Justice um, spread it out in the memosphere around the world within hours and then linked me to ISIS, as in saying that Kathy Griffin has joined ISIS not plausible at all. And, um, but it became like a real thing. And so I was put under a federal investigation mm -hmm. on the no-fly list, et cetera, et cetera, under a real live investigation, interrogated under oath, which has never happened in the history of this country by the feds. And they were considering charging me with conspiracy to assassinate the president of the United States. So I wanted to make this film to really show I didn't break the law. I didn't violate the First Amendment in any way. You can be as offended by that photo as you want. But I really wanted people to know that if you or one of your kids puts up a photo like that, that they shouldn't have to go through that. It was unprecedented. But I feel like, you know, we're seeing so many dog whistles now. And this right. administration has done so many crazy it's things. not even like dog whistles then. anymore. So. It's just, it's so scary. It's yeah. really bad. Young people, please get active. I know online stuff is good and marching is good, but like run for offices, support people, go to your local town halls, vote down ballot. It's not all about the presidential. It's about the state representatives and the congressmen and the congresswomen and the United States senators. Like the uh, city council is an elected office yeah. and they can affect your life sometimes even more than the president. Although in my case, it came right from the president. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I, ha I wanted to show the, the realness. Um, and, it, and you guys, the first third is like, seriously, it's like iPhone it footage. Is. And yeah. I didn't have mics. Nobody would meet with me. No studio would talk to me. They still won't. I'm persona non grata everywhere but here. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, Thank happy, you. Happy to have you. I'm so excited you're well, talking to me. Yeah. Well, one of the things you mentioned is that, you know, of course, it was two years ago. And yeah. initially, the, the tide of responses, like, looking back, uh, you know, uh, people were in incredibly harsh. She's really, ruined the resistance. Yes, it, it really She's condemned you. ISIS. And, and thinking about um, the political moment that we're in now, do you think the photo now would elicit the same reaction? I don't. I really don't. And the photo was also pre-Weinstein, pre-Me Too. And I think now women are finding our voices. And look, I'm a 58-year-old woman. I'm a stand-up comedian. I've been in the business 40 years. I've been Me Too'd and Time's Up more than I can tell you. And so, honestly, it's a good thing that women are coming together more. Because I have to say, as I've been an ally to the LGBTQIA2345 six, seven, community forever. But what I've also said to my female friends is, as a feminist, we have to admit, like, the gay community is just really good at getting together and mobilizing and putting differences aside. And I think, frankly, women, we can still kind of divide and conquer sometimes, and that's not good. So we have to mm. stick together. We are 51% of the population, 51% of the voting population, and we have to have our voices heard for once. And I really think this happened to me because I'm a 50 
eight-year-old chick. I really do. Like, they didn't do this to any of the guys who allegedly threatened the president. Mm. Well, uh, uh, speaking about some incredible women, you recently (laughs) tweeted, hey, the squad, this white lady is with you all the way. This is a problem white people have to take care of. It is our job, and we know we have to do it. We will not let you down because you have to deal with this racist president. Um, You know, as you mentioned, uh, you uh, literally were targeted by the president um, as someone who has dealt with this before. What advice do you have for the squad? Well, I think that our, first of all, I think the squad, like my new thing is, can you guys fold in some more ladies of color? Like seriously, I love the squad and I love the four of them doing stuff together. But, you know, add in, you know, I know that there's like an, an indigenous woman in there, like add in more people so Americans from, you know, middle America or the Trumpers or whatever, the QAnons or whatever, we need to get used to seeing you guys more and seeing you speak out and how smart you are. So the reason I think we need to face racism right now is it is really in our face and it's affecting our policy, which affects everyone. Like that's the thing people that racists don't understand. Eventually it all turns on you. With this administration, I mean, this guy is so far off the rails and he's so deeply ingrained with a racism probably founded in nothing. Like, I don't even know what's wrong with them. And the way people jump onto that bandwagon, I've never seen anything like it. And I was around for Watergate, honey. Like, I remember watching those hearings as a kid. And so I can't believe it's happening even in a worse way in my lifetime. So ladies, united we stand, divided we fall, people of color. We, this is our fault. We let this happen. And so we want to help you. Let us know how we can help you because we all got to stand this together. But we do have to fight racists and white people. That's our problem. We yeah. created it. Just admit it and deal with it. Yeah, I mean, and, and on that note, like one of the things you said earlier is that, you know, women need to be um, amplifying other women's voices. Obviously, like white women uh, need to get it right and, yeah. uh, and be doing our part. Um, what would you like to see from Nancy Pelosi in terms of uh, her support of the squad? Well, first of all, I love me some Nancy, and I'll tell you why. I think she has a plan. You know, there is something she knows how to do, and that is called whip votes. So be honest. Even though we have the House now, right? The Dems finally won the House. We won 41 seats. I live in California. We won, we flipped 11 seats. But guess what? Every time she whips the vote, she can't get enough votes to even start an inquiry on impeachment. So it's not that Nancy Pelosi doesn't want to impeach this guy. Are you kidding? She, believe it or not, there's still a lot of centrists in the Democratic Party who just eked a victory through. And, you know, they may lose their district, meaning we could lose the House, gosh forbid. And... Well, I'm being like really clean on this show. (laughs) Fuck for bit is what I meant. Um, And so I think she has a plan. And let me tell you something. Nothing gets by Nancy. And I think one thing she's being really smart about is people are acting like there's discord between the squad or the more left part of the party and Nancy Pelosi. Trust me, she knows everything they're doing and she knows every press conference they hold. And I think those young women are also smart about deferring to her when necessary, but also if they want to differ with her, that's okay as well. I think what Nancy is doing is kind of using the squad to like slowly move the more centrist Democrats back to reality, normalcy, because, you know, I mean, I... I loved Clinton as a president. I mean, I'm glad I wasn't married to him, you know. But I mean, he balanced the budget. But people forget, Bill Clinton was a centrist. Like, he wasn't like a super lefty. Jimmy Carter, the president of my dreams, he was a real lefty. He actually put solar panels on the ceiling, of, on the uh, roof of the White House that Ronald Reagan took down. So we're, we're not even really center anymore. We've really kind of gone right of center. So we've got to have a paradigm shift. And it's okay to be a lefty. It's okay to let them call you names like that. They don't 
don't even know what socialism is. When they call these poor women socialists, they have never been to a socialist country, okay? So I have, I performed there because I couldn't get any work here. <laughs> well, um, thinking about the movie uh, again, um, one of the things that you talk about uh, at length is uh, how hard it was to lose your relationship with Anderson Cooper. And of course, his mother recently passed away. Oh, yeah. Have you been in touch with him at all about that? No, Anderson's not really wired that way. Like he and Jeff Zucker are kind of cut from the same cloth. And I've known Jeff for a long time. And look, a lot of these older white guys hate me and they've hated me for years because I've been a ballsy chick my whole career and I've never learned my lesson. And I've been like this since I did my first commercial when I was 17 years old. And, you know, misogyny and sexism is a big part of my message. And as I get older, you guys, I don't have a fuck left to give. I really don't. And this administration has just pushed me over the edge. And so I don't worry about like the Jeff Zuckers and the old dinosaurs anymore, the, the check signers, I call them, because they're still the same old white guys who told me 20 years ago I was going to be nothing and I was never going to make a living. And, you know, I am happy to say I love what I do. And thank goodness even the president can't keep people from buying tickets. But I did lose, honestly, probably about 75% of my friends that didn't come back. So, you know, it was, it's, it's difficult, but let me tell you, get real clarity. Get yeah. real clarity. Yeah. I mean, it has to be devastating. Like, that many, that percentage of friends, that particular friendship, it has to be devastating to watch it disappear. And well, especially, especially when I, you want to be there I really for was really in love with, with Anderson's mom, the great Gloria Vanderbilt. And she let me call her Glow Vandy. And she gave me so many life lessons. We would chat. And I actually kind of knew her better than Anderson in a way. And she, I, I hear her voice t today saying things like, you know, your whole life can change in one phone call. And that's true. And in a time like this, when it's hard to have optimism, your life can change in one phone call. It's happened to me if I got a certain job. Maybe it's happened to you, but it really can happen. So stay optimistic in that way. And she would also, also Gloria would always tell me, um, well, there's always more and you're never done. And being a workhorse, I love that. You know, I love working. I love doing shows. I love being on TV. I love touring. I love making people laugh because you're never done and there's always more. Mm. Well, I think that is a great note to leave it on. So thank, thank you. you so much for joining me. Well, you're great. Pleasure. Thank you so much. I thank appreciate you. it. Thank you. And Kathy Griffin, a hell of a story, story, excuse me, is in theaters July 31st. Up next, we're talking about the Emmy nominations. Here's a tweet from Danny Nett. Straight people on dating show. I have no idea why I'm single. I just haven't found someone who can handle me. Queer people on Are You The One. I'm single because I'm absolute trash. The literal fucking worst. My therapist says I'm a broken human being. <laughs> I read that tweet. I was like, God, just really drag me, y'all. <laughs> wow. All right. So, well, I am joined by the three of the absolute best cast members from MTV's Are You The One? Paige, Justin, and Basit. How are you guys? Hi. We're good. So, yeah. so great to have you. Apparently the best. You, I can, well. yeah, you all are the best. I can feel your energy moving through the building and people are just laughing and giggling and in my ear and I was like, oh, here they come. Joy has arrived and Joy is queer. Yeah. So thank yes. you for being here. So for the first time ever, Are You The One has an entirely sexually fluid cast. How did your expectations of that house change compare to the reality of it? Ooh, I mean, I think the expectations were, uh, I thought they were gonna be through the roof and they were through the roof mm -hmm. because we have never seen in the history of television a house full of sexually fluid people mm -hmm being sexually fluid with yes. each other. in real time. In real time. <laughs> I knew it was gonna be messy. I knew that it was going to be exciting. And I also knew that there was no, there, the drama was going to be non-stop mm -hmm. because <laughs> as queer people, we have no, we wear everything that we uh, feel on our sleeves. Yeah. 
we have no need to hide anything. We're like trying to get straight to the point mm-hmm. about things every day. So it was, yes. yeah. it was mm-hmm. definitely because of all those reasons. I had pretty high expectations already, mm-hmm. but everyone in the house just like surpassed that immensely. Yeah. Like it was ridiculous. <laughs> the level, the level of mess you think you're gonna get more. The level of like extra, Ooh. like fabulousness mm-hmm. more. Like just Seriously. everything yeah. exponential at we every moment. Step it up. I turned that. I turned you all on. I was like, girl, they are on a ride here. Oh, this is a ride. <laughs> we are well, going. Speaking of a ride, Paige, you are on your own ride. You know, on the show, you came yeah. out for the first time, yeah. which was an incredible moment for America. Did your housemates give you any advice on how to talk to your family about your sexuality now that it's so public? Oh my gosh, it was more so just like lots of words of encouragement. Like, you know what, regardless, we have a family mm-hmm. here. You have, you know, 15 other people that you mm-hmm. can fall back on and, and find comfort with. So they were just really encouraging and, mm-hmm. you know, just owning who I am and being strong in that and being just like proud, you know. Mm-hmm. Being yeah. proud. Yes, yeah. being, being proud is so important for this. And yeah. being, speaking of being proud, Basit, you are you identify with they, them pronouns, mm-hmm. and a lot of your house guests were stumbling with that part mm-hmm. of it. Were you surprised that this was a reoccurring issue on a queer show? Because I think people expect queer people are going to get it right every time, and that's just not the case. That's just not the case. Um, you know, I wasn't surprised. I will say that it was a little bit of a culture shock because I live here in New York. I live in Brooklyn, and the people that I surround myself with are all across the spectrum mm-hmm. in terms of gender identity, in terms of uh, sexuality. And so I kind of have been so conditioned to feel uh, seen and accepted across uh, in terms of my gender identity. But what was so interesting is that being in a queer house, we all kind of understood what it feels like to be marginalized and to not be accepted. So it was never like a blatant disrespect for my identity. Yeah. It was just like people who were from more rural places were just not used to having to address people in specific ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always found that deep down, like no one was trying to disrespect each other. Yeah. Like we all love each other, mm-hmm. which was, yeah. was, was really, really, really nice. I think that it was one of the most safe living environments that I've had lived in in a while. Mm, that's so good to hear. Mm. And speaking of that living environment, you not only lived there, but you, and so far on the show, have found love with a person named Jonathan, or you're exploring love exploring. with this person. Ooh, we're exploring. What? <laughs> Twitter's <laughs> really... Play? <laughs> we're exploring. Play. No, and Twitter's become really <laughs> obsessed with your relationship with Jonathan. Mm-hmm. What have you learned from uh, your time with that person? Well, so I guess up to now at this point, Jonathan and I have a very tumultuous relationship Mm -hmm. because um, we've seen that I have seen something in Jonathan uh, that I find special. And Jonathan also has seen something in me that he finds very special. But there are some kind of barriers that are keeping us from kind of exploring that further. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of that, like I said, has to do with just like... where we are from. Mm -hmm. So Jonathan had not ever met anyone like me. And uh, I think that, you know, we had professional matchmakers match us up. But we, no one could write on paper, like, I want a Basit. Mm -hmm. Like, how would you, (laughs) how would you be able to write that? When have you ever known a Basit to write that? So so I think that that's kind of like where we and Jonathan and I are now. We are, uh, trying to understand what we asked for and what we need from each Mm. other. Um, But it's just so interesting to like watch everything unfold because we, um, we all had connections throughout our time there and to see like how deep 
things got so fast um, is really eye-opening and I think is going to be really, really lovely to watch unfold. It is. And another one we're all watching to unfold is Justin, you and Max. You know, Twitter's also rooting for you two. And I'd love to know, what is it like reliving those moments with a person on TV that were filmed before, but now you're seeing them in this moment? It's it's definitely, it's super unique to just see your first interactions and everything just so well documented and see the way that you flirt, see the way that you approach people. Uh, on TV, it's it's actually pretty wild, and it just it's it's nice to know that we've gone through this journey together, mm-hmm. and I get to see it unfold every week. It's yeah, it, mm-hmm. it's incredible to watch. So something that Kai said on the show is that you know we all know that for straight and cis people, there are a ton of dating books for them and lots of advice for them out there. Mm-hmm. You all have been working with Dr. Frankie on the show to get some advice on what to do in dating and being queer. What has that been like for y'all? Oh, oh. I mean, Dr. Frankie is. Awesome. <laughs> really, like, changed the whole game. Yes, really? it, it's yeah. just a nice rock that mm-hmm. you can just, like, center yourself on every couple of days, you know, just come talk, say what's going have on. Have a safe space to explore. Yeah, she created a dialogue that we weren't necessarily having that we might not have had without her. You know, she was um, kind of building the, mending the bridge mm-hmm. between making the connection and making a healthy connection, you know, because yeah. everybody makes connections, but are they yeah. healthy? Ooh, yeah. girl, say that. So speaking of tea and connections, I want to play a game with y'all. Are y'all Yay! down to play a game? Yeah. Okay, I got props. I got things. Where'd they go? Oh, here they go. Yes. Here we go. I'm going to hand you each a okay. paddle. Yes. I don't know how you pass that down. Justin. <laughs> so hold them up to the camera. They have two sides. Oh, hetero, no, oh, and queer for it. No. So one, queer for it is yes. Oh, hetero, no is no. So I'm going to walk you through some questions and you're each going to respond do not look at each other's do not cheat there's no cheating really Um, I guess there's cheating in love but not in this so here we go so you're uh, so here's a question a scenario you're on your fifth date and you see a dating app notification (laughs) pop up on their phone Oh, oh, see, all absolutely not. Oh, hetero, no. Oh, hetero, no. They all know. There we go. At least I have the see. decency to put your phone in your right? pocket. Just keep Come your on. phone away from the date. <laughs> period. Come on. I don't need to see who you're dating, who you're texting, what you're doing. Like, be talking to me. Yes. Right? Be, be present be and present. stop checking yes. Tinder or well, Grinder yes. or whatever it is. You don't know who you're on a date with if you feel the need to do all that. Wow. Period. <laughs> All right. They leave flirty comments on other people's social media. Oh, hetero no or queer for it? I'm kind of queer for it. Oh, my gosh. So you are the singular person that says no. Why not? I don't know. Like, put some respect on it. Because if, if people know that we're mm-hmm. a thing and you're leaving flirty comments on other people, unless we've established that we're an open relationship, mm-hmm. um, hey, like, you're kind of not acting like you're... Ooh. You know, with this girl. Yeah. That's T. That's T. What about you? You have strong feelings about this. Because the thing is, is like flirtiness. I'm not a very jealous person. So flirtiness is like not going to bother me. I know at the end of the day, like you uh, flirting with someone else is not going to keep you from coming back to me. (laughs) So I kind of am like... Be flirty. as Just don't cross any yes. other lines. Yes. Um, and it's sometimes flirtiness is like friendliness. Mm-hmm. And I'm very friendly. And people have, you know, mistru- mistaken my friendliness for flirtiness. And I don't think that I should be penalized for it. Oh, oh, okay. That's it with the T there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. So moving. this is going to be interesting for you to answer that. Um, <laughs> they're friends with their ex. Uh, oh, hetero no or queer for it? Uh, queer for it. Queer for it. Queer for it. Oh, my God. Okay, why no again? You Jealousy? 
Yeah. Okay. So, boom. Right. Shocking. We mm-hmm. struggle with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm like, I feel like if there was a deep connection there, and you guys are still friends, clearly you're still living off of a connection with each other. You gotcha, know, gotcha. like your exes for a reason. Stay exes. Stay exes. Mm. But Stay. Justin, what about you? I, I feel like. There's a kind of a adultness to like having a nice separation where you guys both agree mm-hmm. and you can both be adults and you know respect that there was a connection, but it's no longer romantic. Gotcha. I like that a lot. In okay. a person. It is gotcha. me, a child. <laughs> <laughs> so let's reverse it. They're friends with your ex. Uh, <laughs> all that maturity oh is out the window for Justin. Oh my, oh my. Everyone says no. Well, what changed for you all? Uh, my this? exes are exes for a reason. See, I here's what <laughs> I, the reason that I say you can be friends with your own ex is because like the same as Justin, like respect, like respect someone. If you love someone, there's no reason to like go off hating them all of a mm-hmm. sudden just because yeah. the love didn't work out. But if you're friends with my ex, <laughs> then now I am having some sneaky suspicions <laughs> of your sweating. intentions. Oops. Yes, It's all about intentions. Uh-huh. If your intentions are to be a good person and to live your life with dignity and class and respect, I'm about it. But if you're trying to sleep around on my history, Oh, hetero, no. Oh, hetero, no. No, no. All right, now we have a finale for you, and this one is a doozy, because I feel as if this has happened on the show, but I'm not sure. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh, no spoilers. So during a drunk night out, they kiss someone else. Oh. Queer for it. Queer for it. Everyone's queer for it. Because during my drunk night out, I'm also, like, supporting that, like, oh. Yes. You're hot. Yes. He's hot. Yes. I'd like to see it. Yes. Wow. We leave it at the kiss, it. though, because like, that's the which boundary. is totally against everything that I've just said no to, which yes. I love. Look at me, also indecisive. <laughs> where's the, Where's wow, Dr. Frank? Where's Dr. Frank? Me neither. A one minute growth. Um, <laughs> love to see it. I don't know. When I'm drunk, I'm also like zesty too. Zesty. If, I, if I'm zesty. sober, I'm not with it. But I'm okay, it. zesty too when drunk. What well, people can tune into your show to see very much that zestiness. And I want to thank you first for coming on. And this has been such a thank joy hanging out. Oh, thank you, you so much. Yeah, so nice sitting on a couch full of queer people and uh, not during Pride Month. I know. <laughs> we should do it again soon. We should. Yes, I'm down for the, We'll come over like episode seven <laughs> finale time. Well, <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here. Are you the one? Is on MTV tonight and every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. Don't go away. Up next, Alex and I responding to your tweets. Stay tuned. Well, welcome back, y'all. Ooh, they, you know, that cast got my, my, my denim jacket all messed up, and that was not planned. <laughs> I swear to God. Well, that was so much fun. That was to really fun. Do. And I love that. Uh, I just had to point out that we were a queer ass couch, and it wasn't even Pride Month. Yeah, and I have to say, uh, I feel like one of the big threads of this entire show is that we just appreciate outspoken women, yes. outspoken people, outspoken queer yes. people, and people taking up space. Kathy Griffin to. Yes. Are you the one? Stand yeah. in your truth, America. Yes, exactly. All right. Well, Monica tweeted this after our conversation about the movie Hustlers. I've always, I always have to point out that J Lo is a fellow twin mom. Me, J Lo, and Beyonce. <gasps> Go twin moms! Wow! Yeah. Look at this. Maybe they both will get an Oscar in their own respective categories. Well, there you go. Cini Martinez tweeted this about the Emmy nominations. First season of Killing Eve was way better than the second. But I'm team Phoebe Waller-Bridge, so go Fleabag. Really a stunning show. You know, I mean, I have to say, I am still working my way through uh, Killing Eve season two, and I think I might have to concur with that one, but still here for Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Fleabag, that finale, just just lovely, lovely time. Well, thank you to our guests today, Emma O'Connor, Ashley Southall, Gil Robertson, the cast of Are You the One, and Kathy Griffin. We'll be back here tomorrow at 10 a.m. Have a great rest of your day. Mm